and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 113. I'm your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always... I feel strong about right and wrong, Dave McBurney, Family Master. And your man in Japan again, Michael Baker, Gaijin Monogatari. And I'm... At Elliot, other nicknames. Okay. And I am drinking coffee this time, so I won't be like half awake like last week. It just means that you'll be you'll just be up till four a.m., which is a fair trade. And it, it, it also depends on what he, else he's putting in that coffee. Mm. Meth. I mean, with, um, with the right mix, you can offset the caffeine just enough that he will pass out as soon as this is over, but he will <laughs> be able to pretend he's awake for the next hour. Yeah, no, just, I'm just going to assume it's meth. A, a spoonful of rum. Only a spoonful. Uh, of course not. <laughs> So, like you need, to, you need to talk to Phil. Okay, you need to get some of Phil's proper mixes here. So if yeah. he can manage the podcast drunk, so can you. It's true. Yes. Well, I mean, sometimes he he doesn't he can just listen to people talk about older games that he doesn't know anything about. So I mean, he's got that going for him at least. True. He's just the host. He doesn't actually have to know what he's talking about. Like, exactly. Yes. I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about. Well, hopefully, because this is Q and A quest, and they're actually asking you directly. We've been pretending for so, for over a hundred episodes that we know what we're talking about. It's true. It's true. I mean, if we're talking about card games, I know what I'm talking about. I will drop kick you into the sun. But we are not. No, I think we're going to start with one of the Discord questions I got earlier today. Nice. Uh, let's see. Let's pull up Discord. We also had a couple of questions from last week we didn't get to. Uh, actually, I'm going to do this one that uh, Saitan85, hopefully I pronounced that name not horribly wrong. Well, you try and remember how that's pronounced, or just look at the, the Japanese, that'll Saitan, probably make it more. Saitan, Kitan. It's, it's just the character from Xenogears, I don't remember what his Japanese name looks like. Uh, Saitan uh, Nizuki? Yeah. I think it was Saitan. Oh, okay. I had it right. I know. Yes. I just remember that he, he could actually use the word uvula in a conversation. That was fun. Good. All right. Uh, so his question is, who is your favorite guest or temporary character that either joins your party or you at least get to control at some point? General Leo and Beatrix are the only ones I can think of off the top of my head, but there's got to be some other good ones out there. Uh, huh. Just for, just for temporary... I mean, half the fourth characters in Grandia would count. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the fourth characters in a lot of different Final Fantasies, actually. Um, but um, you don't control like, him, but it's really neat that one battle that Sephiroth is in is in FF Seven. <laughs> true. Um, or like the twins in Final Fantasy Four. Yeah, yeah, FF Four's got a lot of temporary party members. Yep. FF4 has got more temporary than permanent. Yeah. Depending on how you define temporary. I like uh, how FF9, uh, several party members end up hanging out with like bands of basically faceless jokers for half, for like half the first disc. Mm-hmm. Good old blank in the quest for the super soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, one good one I liked was the, in Saga 2, uh, your teacher joins you for like the, the first little dungeon area. Uh, Mr. S. Yes. Yeah. Mr. Ed. 
Yeah. Which was pre- pretty cool and a nice way to get you going in that game after in the original you kind of just get thrown immediately in in, in, into the deep end. So I always thought that was a nice way to start up that game as compared to the first one. And and a fun way of trying to give him a name in a game that only allowed you four letters or four characters. <laughs> As I mean, with Japanese four characters, you could spell set and say easily. Yeah. But you, you can't do anything in English. So Mr. or MR period capital S. Yeah, Mr. S. Oh, I just realized another favorite of mine. Pankras from uh, Dragon Quest V. Um, you mentioned Grandia, Java. Oh, Java's great. He's never in a, a battle, though, which is kind of a cheat. Yeah, but, yeah. He is great, though. Yeah. Also, apparently, smells horrible, which is good, too. Um, He's he's an old man who does nothing but dig and fight and not enough time to shower. Yeah. He just sort of lives next to a mine so that he can do both of those things at once. Yes. And then he helps you get out of, a, get out of the mine as you accidentally collapse it. Yeah. Java's fun. Um, completely temporary. Completely temporary. Hmm. Hmm. This is harder than it sounds. <laughs> these these get these have gotten rarer over the years. As like adding an extra character who has a whole set of animations into a combat system has made less and less sense. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, again, in Saga 2, um, Lin, the Kung Fu girl. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, one of the few things, a few disappointments I had with the remake was that they had the, a perfect opportunity to add in an extra dungeon halfway through the game that would help, that would give you an excuse to use her more. Because otherwise, she's only in your party like twice, and both times you're trying to get her back home. And so you've got barely any fight time with her. So, okay. I'm trying to think of any other good ones, but really, he kind of named the ones I would immediately jump to uh, in his question itself. Yeah. Uh, 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 oh, uh, we got Power Lord in the chat is saying oh. Galleon from Lunar the Silver Star. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And oh. Lucia from Lunar 2. Mm-hmm. Well, because she's a permanent party member, but you don't control her. Interesting. Hmm. Okay, well, okay, Wales. I've I've got one or two good ones from my favorite series that I regularly bring up. Guess which one? <laughs> uh, Saga. Metal Max. The other one. Metal Max. <laughs> Metal Max Two, the captain of the ship of the boat that you can eventually get to go across the lake in the middle of the map. Captain Behab, <laughs> who is trying to avenge the mur- the deaths of his father Ahab and his brother Sehab and his wife and child as well at the hands of the deadly U-Shark, wow. which is in fact a biomechanical shark submarine hybrid with torpedoes. I don't know how to respond to that one. And um, so he only joins your party for this battle plus any others that happen while you're looking for the shark. And so you're on your in your cars on the deck of the boat, and he's manning the harpoon gun. Huh. 
Yes. And then he just lets you have the bow to, um, once you've helped him avenge his family. That's, that's fair. Yeah, he, he's kind of, he's just kind of like, I'm just not going to go out there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember if the, like the rotating party slot in Skies of Arcadia was technically, uh, whether there was never a point where you could get any of them back. Because mm. if no, if no, then, you know, like, oh no, wait, at the end, okay, yeah, I was correct. At the end of, uh, Skies of Arcadia, you can just re-recruit. Uh, you you can pick your fourth party member, sort of like Fantasy Star Four. So, only kind of counts. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I want to go back one year and answer this question with Flynn from Tales of Vesperia and piss a bunch of people off. <laughs> but, but that whole definitive edition had to go and ruin my fun. Well, uh, speaking of that definitive edition, what? Uh, that little pirate girl is not a permanent member of my party, so I think she counts. I don't know that you can refu- like she's just going to sit there in the corner. You can't actually get rid of her. No, she's not there. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, uh, in any case. Uh, yeah, like, I think we've kind of picked over the ones that I particularly would name. Um, the Final Fantasy Adventure, the Red Mage. (laughs) Very, very useful for getting, helping to beat the Hydra. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out he's actually the villain. Frickin' Dark Lord. (laughs) No, he, no, that was, uh, wasn't Dark Lord. It was the other guy. Uh, Oh, yeah. The real villain. Let's all go back and play Sword of Mana and then that and then Adventures of Mana and wonder why we bothered. Aw. I liked replaying them. Actually, I've got uh, Sword just, of Mana in, on the shelf back here. I should probably replay it again sometime just for fun. It's more like wonder why we bothered in terms of playing the same game remade tw- twice as well <laughs> as its original. I know. Back I, know sor- I mean, Sword of Mana is quite a bit different from Final Fantasy Adventure in gameplay style. Yeah, Since it's Adventure of Mana that tries to be much closer to it. Yeah, it was brownie browned up to be more like its eventual successors. Yeah. yeah. I just I'm just impressed that that got multiple completely completely different remakes. And I've played them all except for the iPhone edition. That's fine. But you guys will never get to play the smartphone not on the uh, cell phone edition. Yep, that's that's lost to the ether as far as <laughs> the English speaking world is confirmed. Yeah, uh, concerned. But yeah, uh, like this this phenomenon is kind of sad to see go. But I mean, I, I like it. I, I like this kind of character conceptually because it represents like someone whose commitment is to some specific part of the world or like something specific rather than like, Oh, I'm coming with you for all of your adventures. Cause I apparently just don't do anything else. <laughs> so this, this kind of character is kind of neat. I remember uh, game arts really, really leaned on these cause Galleon's not even the only one in 
uh, Lunar, because there's also uh, Tempest very, uh, very briefly in the party. And I think he might even only be in the party in Silver Star Story Complete. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I like this this kind of character. Uh, uh, do we want to do another Discord question, or do we want to hit one of the ones we missed last week? Uh, let's hit one of the ones we missed last week, because I think the other one I thought was a question was just uh, Eternal was just Youth. Eternal Youth was asking me about the DS version of Nino Kuni. Oh. Which I guess, I guess they're going to play that now. Uh, it's been fan translation. translation is out, yeah. Yeah. Be prepared to check the book for a lot of stuff. Yeah, I guess. Uh, at least at least the PDF's out there, so you don't I have think, to yeah. check uh, a physical book. I think he's one of the lucky people that actually has the physical book, so. Good, good. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, I, don't... I, I remember writing in the reviews like, okay, um, I gave this one a five for interaction, but your mileage may vary depending on how much you actually like the book. I loved it. <laughs> how much you like the copy protection? Uh, hey, it was an ec- awesome. Oh, it's idea. excellent copy protection. It's just. Well, I mean, not just as copy pr- protection. I mean, I've seen. I mean, random. Like even last year, I walked into a waiting room at a school and ha- saw like five fifth and sixth graders huddled around a copy of the book. Wow. Trying to figure out where to go next in the game, just because they were thought this was just so awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, by excellent copy protection. I meant that it's also just neat. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so last this is one of the last week questions that I don't think we got to. Uh, this is from Budai. Scranix is making Marvel games. Do you think they can make one up to the standards of Insomniac Spider-Man? Depends on how much time they're given. I mean, evidently, they, 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 announced it, they announced it like three years ago, and we haven't seen one word yeah, about it. It's uh, Crystal Dynamics is working on it, and that's why the last Tomb Raider was made by uh, Eidos Montreal instead of Crystal Dynamics. It's the other way around. I thought it was Eidos Montreal making the Avengers game they had. Nope. Oh. They made... Uh, what the heck was the name of the last... Tomb Raider game. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Shadow of the Tomb Raider, yeah. That is that is their game. So I think a lot depends on which characters they choose, which plot lines they decide to copy off of, and how big a fan the actual programmers are. I'd like to point out that looking at the actual page for it, it says that it is both Ubi, it is both Crystal Dynamics and IDOS Montreal. <laughs> You can both be right, yay! Hooray, I win. Um, but yeah, like it's going to also depend upon like what licenses they've been given access to. Yeah, I mean, is it just the core Avengers? What kind of game do you even make with like? Because it's an, it's very specifically an Avengers game. Yeah. Which means, what kind of game do you make with that license? Uh, yeah. yeah, because I mean, do you? Do you actually make it rely on the movies? Do you do it more on the comic books? How do you do um, growth and scaling and everything else? Yeah, like is it built for co-op like an Avengers project theoretically should be? What kind of co-op are you looking at? Because like Marvel Ultimate Alliance already exists. You can't just make that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It exists and is in fact coming out again this year. Yeah, like it exists so hard that it will exist again. (laughs) 
honestly, if I had to, if I had to pick a property from Marvel to use for an RPG, I'd probably go with the movie version of Big Hero Six. Oh man, that's a, that's a, actually a really fun world in Kingdom Hearts Three. <laughs> I would be, I would believe so. I also really think it's an excellent reinvention of a group of characters that were pro- going to be very problematic to try and make sense of any other way. Yeah, yeah. It's a charming movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I love that the that the character who was originally able to transform into a ten-story tall kaiju is now the mascot in the rubber suit. <laughs> but yeah, like we, it's it's weird how much that like it's a very much a mark of how Square will announce something the second the ink dries on a deal and then just not say anything about it for very, very long. Especially um, if they're not actually working on it for a very, very long time. (laughs) Yeah, like half the time they just won't be working on it, but even when they are, I mean, like, video games take long enough that they might not actually have anything to show for three years. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't even... I, I got no guesses as to what kind of game they're actually making as for what kind of game I'd want them to make. Like, I don't, I don't know what kind of, like when you look at what Crystal Dynamics and IDOS Montreal make, neither of them make anything that's really compatible with the kind of multiplayer you'd expect out of Avengers. Mm-hmm. And, like, I would hope that it's not supposed to tie into a specific point in the movie, because it is what, like, given the nature of game development, by the time it's out, it's going to be way dated. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm going to imagine that it, it will be like some of the Cartoon Avengers series that are out right now, where they're using the characters, but it's quite obviously, like, a, diff- like a different comic book continuity going on. Yeah, it's using that. It's basing itself on that interpretation without actually being married to that continuity. Yeah. Is what I would also expect. This does remind me that there's footage of like a weird cancelled co-op first-person Avengers game from like 2011 floating around on the internet that was very, very strange looking. If you're ever curious about cancelled games, you can find that if you want to go looking for it. It's got really far along, like 90% 90% done and then got cancelled. Uh, I, I have no guesses as to what... Like, I think that those studios they have on it are talented enough to make a game to this to the level of quality of something like Insomniac Spider-Man, but there's so little to go on based on other than Avengers Project. <laughs> you got any hopes, Wheels? I don't know. Uh, I I I want an RPG. That's what I want. I know, but uh, like that's that's where I run into issue. It's like, what yeah. kind of RPG do you make yeah, out of that? I, I don't even know. It turns out that it's Deus Ex somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course. I mean, at this point, I just want to see something. Like, we've known they've been working on something for so long. It's, it, it'd be nice to see something. But, I mean, yeah, after, after Insomniac Spider-Man, it's, that's a tough act to follow. And I almost feel bad for them. Because, uh, 
I mean, I'm not really sure whatever they're going to come up with is going to be anywhere in that league. So we'll have to see. I have confidence in Eidos Montreal and yep. uh, oh, what's the other one? Uh, Crystal Dynamics. Crystal they have Dynamics, confidence. Yes. No, they've done just, good. They've done good work. I'm sure they'll come up with something good. So just to, just abandon all the work you've done on that and put everyone on Gex for. Um, oh God. <laughs> It's Gex 4, but he just makes jokes about the Avengers, because that's what's in the zeitgeist now. <laughs> what was I going to say? Um, bonus, who is smarter, Peter Parker, uh, Tony Stark, or Bruce Banner? Do we uh, really need this particular flame war going on here? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I wouldn't have even guessed that that was a comic flame war until I read the question. was like, oh, I'm sure that people argue about that constantly. Oh, um, oh! You have no idea. Just go over to Quora sometime and check out the Marvel sections. Like, this is there's like fifty different questions similar to this, with fewer or more characters added in. Yeah, whatever other genius level characters are supposed to be there. Probably just, someone brings in Doctor Doom and starts yelling. Uh, yeah, Doctor Doom or Shuri from Black Panther or like half a dozen others. I mean, yeah. there is no shortage of super advanced enlightened geniuses in the marvel universe yeah the my response would be uh that the answer is that tony stark is only smart enough to get himself into trouble uh peter parker is only smart enough to make himself very sad and and bruce banner is only smart enough to feel very bad about killing things by accident so you know all the same and they're each kind of cool in their own area of expertise yeah yeah you wouldn't go to Tony Stark for nuclear physics, but you also wouldn't go to you wouldn't go to actually, Bruce Banner. For, yeah, you might actually go to Tony Stark for nuclear physics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you go to Bruce Banner first because he's the he's the nuclear man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Peter Parker was always more chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a follow up uh, on Budai's question: Has there previously been, or do you think there's a market for a traditional turn-based DC or Marvel RPG? Uh, I think there might have been a time when you could have done that. I don't think the time is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the peop, comics comics aren't kinetic, but people think of what's happening as being very kinetic and fast. So it's it's hard to sell that as a strictly turn based affair. Uh, I think you can definitely set RPGs there. People like uh, RPG elements, but they would have to be basically have to be action RPGs to to not feel like a strange use of the license. Yeah. Let's see, uh, and I guess we can hit this last question from Strawberry Eggs. Uh, to borrow a question in another podcast on this site, are there any 3DS games you would like to see get an enhanced Switch port? Mm, no, th- this is not a really fair question because the only real answer is all of them. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot, but I can think of specific ones at the very least. Uh, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking Nintendo, just find a way of creating an all-purpose 3DS emulator for the Switch that you can buy, um, that you can, like, just give to different developers and say, hey, have fun. And they put as many of their games as possible on on an e-store. Okay, put like a wish list, like a top three or something. Beyond the Labyrinth. Yokai Watch okay. 3. Uh, Daigyakuten Saibon. Metal Max 4. Wheels. <laughs> uh, <well. laughs> 
Uh, you go again. <laughs> wow, I can't believe that you would do that to me. Uh, which was the? Was there another Metal Max on 3DS? Because that's the other thing I was thinking of before. Uh, there was only no. one on 3DS, but there were three on DS. Well, make a compilation of those three and put that on Switch. Yeah, it's cheating. I don't care. <laughs> hey, my first answer was all of them anyway. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, sure, why not? Hero Bank one and two, just for hell, the hell of it. I don't think Pokemon I, Ultra probably, Sun. Or that, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if Nintendo did this, then all the Pokemon games would be on there. Look at these split. I'm sure. Yeah. There is still a mild surprise in me that uh, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon were not cross-platform uh, 3DS Switch. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah. That does remind me that Daigakuten Saibon just got a fan translation that I need to really dig into. A lot of video games this year. A lot of video games. Yes. But, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of things that, like, oh, I would like to just have that on Switch so that I don't have to, that I don't have to worry about the fact that, like, oh, I didn't take, I don't want to take both a Switch and a 3DS when I'm going out or whatever. Just put all the Ace Attorneys on it. They're already getting a bunch of them on there. You can just put the rest of them there, too. <laughs> just make sure that uh, Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice aren't trapped there forevermore. Same with Daigakuten Saibon. Uh, they, you can leave behind Leighton versus Ace Attorney. That game sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's possible for a game to ever hurt me as much as that one did. That game sucks. That game's real bad. <sighs> uh, okay. Uh, we want to hit the next question? Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one's from Kroll. This one's actually from this week. Uh, I am presently nearing the end of Persona 3 Portable and can't help marveling at how well the RPG chocolate melts with the peanut butter of a dating sim slash visual novel. Can you think of any other RPGs or games in other genres that mix two disparate genres so well or surprisingly? And are there any other combinations we still need to see? I, for one, want to see that Street Fighter RPG someday. Um, honestly, if you name an another game genre... And I will probably be able to name a game or an RPG that made use of it. Yeah, I mean, I could even name it like a pinball RPG. You will find, if you are willing to look, you will find. Yes. There are probably some genres where the example mix is not as good as I think it could be, though. So. Oh, quite often, yes. Um, but yeah, like, I know I've seen plenty of match three RPGs, some of them much better than others. One of them would have been much, much better if it had a better item management and monster management system in place. Ugh, poor Yokaido. Um, but, yeah. Shoot, um, I've seen shmups, beat-em-ups, um, actual fallen fighting games. Um, and what else here? Bullet Hell. Knights in the Nightmare. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much you name it, you can find it. Yeah, uh, trying to think of like other, like it, a lot of the problem with this is that like you end up in a situation where like a lot of the ones that would be surprising are also ones that like you, it's very hard to draw out into your mind and think of like, yes, why hasn't someone done that? Uh, I, I feel like there is 
untapped potential in the beat 'em up RPG that only Yakuza is currently exploring. But uh, that is actually a good one. Now that I think about it, because it is really just a combination of like beat 'em up and RPG in most uh, most senses. Uh, let's see. You got any wheels? Uh, I mean, I love a good first-person shooter RPG. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I, I don't think there are enough enough of those. I'm trying to think of anything that carries the torch in the modern day. I mean, there's well, the the thing is, there's lots that are like sort of that, but not quite. Like just bringing in RPG elements, and there's not enough that. I was about to say, are you going to start talking about Borderlands? No, I may, I'll, I will okay. avoid, okay. I'll hold off talking about Borderlands. But I mean, that's kind of the thing to me that, like, the part of the reason that I think that series is so popular is uh, what else There's are you going to play? If, what else are you going to play if that's your jam? It's kind of it. You know, I know there's stuff uh, like Destiny and things like that, but those aren't precisely the same. Like, Borderlands. They're very much RPG second. Right. <laughs> Borderlands is specifically capturing the same sort of genre that Diablo does, and there's tons of Diablo clones. Um, but not many first person. Right. Right. Unfortunately, games like uh, even like some of the older first person RPG, uh, the older FPS RPG genre has not really survived into the modern age the last thing that really held the torch on that was the more recent uh, deus ex games yeah, yeah. Oh, if you want a really old fps rpg crime crackers psx oh i know crime crackers that game's weird yeah i mean it i mean when we're talking first person shooter here that's more like the old blake stone games like pre yeah. sort of first person shooter i was it's, never it's very a good 94 ps1 game so it kind of has an excuse yeah I mean, it was. It's still. I mean, Doom predates it. So. Yeah. So it's def. I mean, it's definitely working on a slightly older FPS model than the one that was current when it was made. Yeah. I want to say that was made by by the company that later went on to make like Wild Arms. I would not be surprised. What's the name of that we'll company again? That. Uh, Crime Crackers. Yeah, it's Crime Crackers Media Vision. Yeah, yep. that's it. It was media something. Crime Crackers, Rapid Reload, Wild Arms. Mm-hmm. The first three games. Uh, yeah, I remember once looking up what they... Like, they were a company that was started by... Okay, yeah. By former members of Riot, a subsidiary of Telnet Japan, responsible for developing the Tenshi no Uta series for PC Engine. With the motif of Celtic mythology. Yeah, I remember actually, looking. Hmm? Yeah, I was like, okay, I wish I actually had a PC engine just so I could check this out because I don't know if it was ever put on anything else. I don't believe it was. It was apparently fairly, like, it was at least a cult hit at the time. Oh, never mind. Super Famicom. The third one was, at least. Yeah. And Super CD-ROM two for um, Super CD-ROM for the second game. Yeah, that that really made more sense on a uh, on the PC engine. That's where the big RPGs all kind of eventually went. Yeah. 
the ones that didn't end up going to PlayStation as soon as that one popped up. Yeah. I was a little early for that, but oh, the character designs on that were also done by someone whose other work I've actually seen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Character designer Nobuteru Yuki. But, they did Rizoud? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Wizard of Oz, that was the English title. Yeah, the, the weird Wizard of Oz, like, DS RPG. Yes. I remember covering that one in Japandemonium, but never actually played it. Yeah. I've heard it's fine. <laughs> weird, fine, fine yeah. The... Oh, and Summon Night 6. Huh. Yeah. And, yeah, it looks like they're doing mostly other companies' um, IPs at this point. Yeah, that's kind of always... That's kind of where uh, Media Visions migrated in the past little while. The last decade. Yeah. It looks like Rizod was the, their last actual original um, yeah. item. Well, quote-unquote original, but yeah. The, the last mean, thing that they made that wasn't like clearly at the behest of someone else. Except maybe this one was... Oops. Oh, that one just goes back to itself. Um, Gus Rings Omega, Shining Blade, Shining Arc, Shining Resonance. I'm, I have no idea what Enkakusosa is. Enkakusosa. Uh, 20, 23 Days to the truth that sounds a lot like a visual novel title yeah yeah i believe that and oh playstation portable 2009 yeah um that's the kind of low budget thing you produce on a psp in 09 (laughs) yeah yeah uh it how did we even get on uh oh yeah we were talking about we got to crime from first person <laughs> hey, I mean, oh, it wouldn't boy. be Q&A quest if we didn't go off on incredibly wild tangents. Listen, Media Vision's de- near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've never even course, seen um, Heavy Metal We're talking Thunder. about odd and surprising connections. Um, I was pl- um, I've been playing a game called Magical Hoshin on the Game Boy Advance, and I hadn't yeah. really looked into it. But I was like, okay... Um, there, there was just some things about the graphical style that seemed familiar, like how the um, the main character sprite will just stop and cross his arms and tap his foot impatiently if you don't do anything for a few seconds, or the way the stairwells worked in the main the first town, or how it shows human souls as like slowly glowing orbs. I'm thinking this looks a lot like a quintet game. <laughs> Guess what? It's the quintet. second to last game quintet ever made. Huh. Yeah, for Koei back in 2002. Yeah, they were just sort of clinging to life at that point. Yep. Poor, poor Quintet. Not necessarily a bad game, but I I have the feeling that they were being forced to uh, to adhere to a particular plot outline. And so they got a lot more creative with the side story material that was completely optional. And did it quite a bit better. <laughs> yeah, I'm just learning a lot about Media Vision right now because I just read something called read about something called Heavy Metal Thunder, which is a wrestling game about robots. Yeah. Ooh, like Media Vision, yes. Yeah, I'm into that idea conceptually. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, no, I need to look away from this Wikipedia page before I get lost looking at, looking up as much information about this object as I can. All right. Uh, other... Move your eyes away from the abyss. Other combinations yeah. of RPGs and other genres? Uh, I want to just pull a couple genres out of a hat and see what I get. Oh, j- just name one. Name one. Um, let's see. It's not enough rhythm RPGs. There, I said it. <laughs> uh, rhythm RPGs, um, well, depending on how you count them, you got Petapon 3 or Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, and both of those are neat, but I want more. <laughs> yes. Um, and if you inc- want to include just basic beat rhythm mini games, um, Yakuza, which one was 6, I think it was, that had. Oh, it was the, 5. 5. five. That has the. Haruka um, in her quest to become a pop music, uh, pop idol in Osaka, and so all of her battles were actually beat rhythm games. Yeah, like she had to do a dance off against who, against whatever other aspiring idols were around. Yes, um, I've seen other games that just had them as an element in like a like a bonus attack or a item creation, but yeah, I remember profoundly garbage. Uh, Early PS2 RPG Ephemeral Fantasia had a Guitar Freaks minigame because it was just made by Konami and they were just like, whatever. <laughs> that game is really, really bad. I've got a lot of angry words to say about the game about the man named Mouse and his stupid talking guitar. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Wheels, name a genre that needs that there needs to be more of. RTS. RTS RPG. Interesting. I think that's technically a MOBA, but played by yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I dig that because people that play MOBAs are. Never mind. <laughs> so <laughs> if you on. could just play it by yourself, you'd have a lot more fun and you yes. wouldn't have to worry about things like denying. Yes. I mean, and I don't, I'm not going to rag on people in people that play uh, MOBA seriously because really anyone playing like basically any sort of competitive game there's going to be a lot of people like that so. what we're saying is that people who play online tend to be very mean yes <laughs> yeah it's true trash talk yep uh, and yeah you got any particular genre you want to see more combinations with Gaijin well I'd say less would be like racing games because I just suck at those <laughs> Too many Chorokyu. Yeah, but I mean, most of the cases with racing game RP- and RPG, that's usually just a side game. True, Except, true. Um, I mean, or like I Solo Torobo, where there were sections where you did have to fly, do a kind of a flying racing game. But the only one I could think of that was a straight-up combination would be um, Racing Lagoon, which I could never finish the say. first section because I just stink at racing games so much I couldn't actually get past the intro. Unclear if it's even a good racing game. It's just too hard. Yeah. I'm looking at footage of it now. This is a very, very PS1 racing game. Yes. Uh, this camera is too close. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's actually one that I don't think is that common. There's just like stat elements within sim racing games. Just not that many RPGs where you race a lot, but... Yeah. Oh, this person! Uh, this f- person I'm looking at v- video footage of is crashing into everything too. The game might just be bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But. Um, I know that. Oh, Monster Racer. That there was Monster Racer. The sequel to Monster Rancher. Haha. Uh-huh. It was uh, 
I think it was a DS game. I know it came out in America. Huh. Actually, it would, it would have to be a DS game because I actually reported on it for Japan Demonium, and that was well after the Game Boy Advance was in the twilight. Fair. Um, Monster Racers. Yeah, Monster Racers, uh, DS, 2008, 2009 or so. Yeah. Those are the the content I crave. Uh, More rhythm games. Mm. Hundreds more. Um, What else? Uh, Um... Let's see, what's an incredibly weird niche genre that we could work with? Uh, pachinko. <laughs> they have novels? Yeah, there's a bunch of pachinko RPGs. And also, Wheels, do we need to... We're not discussing <laughs> the thing that you're going to discuss again. What? That weird game that starts with a U? No, not Utawadaimono. No, we're not talking about Tears to Tiara either. Utawadaimono? If you cannot actually pronounce the name, Wheels, we do not talk about it. Mask of Deception and Mask of Truth. No, 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 you have to say the full name, (laughs) including the front. Uh, Okay, I get it. Bonus points if you can actually say it all in Japanese. Uh, It's not happening. But yeah, I, always, I mean, if you, if you had to pick one genre that had the most crossover with RPGs, it would be the visual novel, just because a lot of them developed as a way of telling the story without the RP without the battles, or even just with nothing but the battles in the story. Yes, that she too. That's why like so Sakura many of them Wars. have tactical battles. Yeah, that's uh, like Sakura Wars is kind of a big influencer on that genre. Yeah, but I mean, I was just looking at a 3DS game the other day called Island Days, which is a straight-up visual novel adventure type game, but it advertises tactical combat on the back. I'm like, okay, that's different. And hmm. uh, I'm remembering Tokimeki Memorial, which was, again, straight-up love simulator visual novel type game. But if you took a particular character on a date to the park, you ended up LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure how this happened, but it actually did have an RPG combat minigame that was basically you and this girl on a LARPing date. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, absolutely no context on how this happened, but I just remember seeing pictures of it once. And actually, I think it was when they were remaking it about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it. So. Yeah, they kind of dried up on the Tokimeki Memorial games after about 06. Yeah. Briefly replaced by Love Plus, and then briefly replaced by nothing, because Konami was done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we also have the Type Moon games, which can't seem to decide whether or not they want to be visual novels or RPGs, or both, or neither. Um, Yeah. They just make more of them. I think I briefly played Fate Extra, which was all the thrill of a visual novel, but with the occasional rock, paper, scissors. Yeah wasn't the worst thing in the world but it was like not terribly remarkable either way <laughs> uh, yeah i feel like visual novel is one of those things that like it grew up in parallel with how to tell rpg stories and so you see them mix a lot and can just 
you don't often see them mixed very successfully, which is part of what makes Persona so uh, memorable. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Hey, Wheels, are you ready for this next question? Uh, sure. From Shaman, is there anyone else in gaming besides Randy Pitchford who you could see any news story about and believe it immediately? Red Company. Yes, mm. that's a good point. <laughs> I don't know that, like, part of the issue is that Randy yep. Pitchford is so singularly confusing at all times, whereas... Okay, I'm cutting out, Red Company, guys. Oh. Oh. Hmm. Hello? Panok? Hello? And I'm just remembering Randy Pitchford's greatest hits. I don't think Red Company can top, uh, like, went on to Twitter and linked to a subreddit for pornography of his latest of its latest failing game, and was like, "Hey guys, don't you better not go looking at this." That happened. The, for what game? It was for Battleborn. Oh, okay, Battleborn so- happened. I ha- I have not heard anything since I said the word red company. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Gearbox Software and their um, amazing. Uh, what is this official position? CEO. Uh, I don't know who we're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Dave, did we lose Dave now? Maybe. Uh, oh, you tell me, please. God. Uh, so, he, uh-huh. so he's been the founder of Gearbox Software since their okay. inception. They mm-hmm. started making. He's been their public face, their CEO for you know since like '04. Mm-hmm. It says here he was been their CEO since they were founded. Yeah, which I think was around '04. Yeah. No, wait, it, they were like the company that Valve contracted, uh, Half-Life. Freaking... Half-Life Opposing Forces. Yeah, Half-Life Opposing Forces, one of the, yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's impossible to make up stories about him at this stage because nothing is crazier than what they actually spend their time doing, apparently. Oh, do tell, do tell. Well, the the most recent one was him leaving, like, a USB stick full of magic tricks, porn, and sensitive company documents in the middle of a restaurant. Oh, boy. Like, all three of those, just all sitting on the same USB stick. I mean, he kind of just sounds like... Uh, it sounds like... Uh, He's the kind of person that just threw together a company with a bunch of friends and probably shouldn't be in a position of major leadership. But yeah, he's just like a guy that just sort of pops off and does whatever. And I won't say I'm a fan, but I mean, I also will not say much more because I don't want to risk libel. Uh, No, it technically it can't be can't be construed as libel if it is true. Yes, but since I am not a primary source, and I don't want to sit down verifying every statement I'm about to... And 
yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, he's they've been involved with a lot of things. There's everything to do with the subcontracting of alien colonial marines that has always been very strange and bad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, very strange company. But again, like because so many of the stories surrounding Randy Pitchford end up being this crazy. I'm not sure. Like another company could do something and like within the realm of gaming, it's like, Oh, they'll try anything. They sure are weird. Like I believe anything came out of them, but like there's not as much like the drama around the running of the company that I would believe anything of other than from Pitchford. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've seen him live so I can talk, talk to that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounded really awkward when I was seeing people react to it. Uh it was it was a mess and it was just it was actually really good fun. Like <laughs> it was a whole show about look, you guys know that a trailer for Borderlands three is going to be at this show, so we're just gonna have It's going fun. to be at the end of this. We're just and gonna troll you I have you captive for the duration. I have you captive. You have to sit yes. for whatever I put here. <laughs> and it was fun. It was fine. It was like It was bullet storm for some reason. It, I mean no one was complaining about anything until the videos started they had wasn't their <laughs> and then fault. everything broke. Yes. No oh, they had video issues, but it wasn't really their fault and then and honestly, even though the initial running of the trailer had issues, uh, people still absolutely loved it. It was it was just good fun. Unless they were me, in which case but I became sick of it. I can certainly <laughs> say I had some questions about why are you porting Bullet Storm to the Switch? Did anyone that was actually like that like was that not game? the game people were asking? For. No, like people did like that game, but that was not the game people were asking for. But don't worry, Duke Nukem's in it. Oh yeah, speaking of uh, random trickin' things that Randy Pitchford had Gearbox do, buying the Duke Nukem IP for some reason. I mean, again, like I said, it really feels to me like this is a person in the position of CEO that does not belong there. (laughs) Very strange, very strange. Yes, and uh, I mean, who's going to tell him no, considering he was a founder of the company so yeah he basically is there for as long as he cares to remain there yeah uh but yeah i I can't think of anyone that like usually you will hear about people that will just say anything but they don't have ceo powers they can't just do whatever they want (laughs) but i I know but but still stories like red company having entire game planning sessions dead drunk yeah no i believe that (laughs) Uh, oh, I certainly believe it, even though I've never actually seen any proof that it happened. It still makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. If I were to bring up someone else that like there was that I would believe a lot out of, it would be, as I have often mentioned in the past, the dearly departed Kenji Eno, who uh, is most infamous, I believe, in terms of stories that are actually remembered for announcing a Sega Saturn exclusive at the in the middle of like a PlayStation uh, like event. <laughs> Like it just ends with like, and that's why Enemy Zero will be being will be released exclusively for the Sega Saturn as the PlayStation logo morphs into a Sega Saturn logo. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, he was he was very displeased that like Sony was publishing the the PlayStation version of his previous game and did not make enough copies to fulfill pre-orders. <laughs> and so that's what happened. 
Also because Sega agreed to let him uh, to finance a game he wanted to make with that had no graphics. Hmm. Real sound, cause they no regret. Look it up. Uh, oh god, I love Kenji. You know, God rest his soul. Uh, I think he passed away in 2010. It's been a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah, it can be hard to find someone where it's just like, oh, yeah, I don't even like when someone says that person did something, that person or company did something completely crazy. I don't actually feel the need to look up a source because it wouldn't make <laughs> sense to make up something about someone that nuts, like yeah. about someone who has such a cavalier attitude about how they go about yeah. business. How about Suda51? Did he ever do anything weird? Oh, he's done a lot of weird games, and I would believe a lot about what someone said about the content of his games. But I wouldn't believe any story you told me about him as a person, because he seems like a pretty chill dude. Okay, then, how about this one guy that I met at TGS one year named Ricky? Um, He was self-publishing his own Famicom game called um, Kira Kira Star Knight. I respect that. (laughs) Yes, he he apparently at some point he had found an old beta cartridge for a game that was I mean it was like a um, proof of concept kind of thing and it didn't it was really buggy didn't work quite well and so they never made the game yeah but he bought it and he convinced some programmer friends of his to help him fix it and base it off of a character design that he had created because as it turns out he is also a very prolific manga artist, specifically in the pornographic section of the market, but otherwise cute girls. Um, wow. Yes, and so his programmer friend not only managed to fix the game and add in the graphics, but he also managed to do like triple-layered background graphics to provide pseudo-3D, and then all of the little twinkling stars that you have to catch in the duration of the game are actual 3D-modeled. My good friend, this insane, like, 6502 assembly, a savant. Had <laughs> somehow managed to fit all of this onto an actual Famicom How? Part. How? I don't oh, know, I'm but apparently it was so tight, they only had, like, um, no, I can't even guess how, how little space they had left in there at the end. But he managed to fit this entire game in, as well as, um, it was, like, eight stages, each one with its own music. For easy and hard modes, separate. And Ricky had so many friends in various parts of the industry that I remember making a list of all of the of the eight bit music composers who contribute <laughs> to game levels. And it was like, okay, this person did music for Dig Dug, Exevious, uh, Seventh Dragon, this, this. I'm like, holy crap! Um, yes. And this guy is really fun to talk to because he speaks very little English, but he tries really hard. And I think in my write-up, I compared him to a corgi puppy because that's about the level of energetic everything that he does. <laughs> it's... So, yeah, if you told me any story about this guy, I would probably believe it just because he is quirky and spontaneous and highly, highly energetic. So... I, okay. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I respect that sort of thing. 
Oh, you brought up Suda, and I just realized that there is some stuff that he's done where it's just like, oh, that's super weird, and I guess that's on brand, but I didn't expect it, which is like that one time that he showed up at the Devolver Digital uh, E3 conference, said he would announce nothing, sat around for 10 minutes, and announced nothing, and left. <laughs> <laughs> It was beautiful. But, uh, Devolver Digital is weird. Yeah, no, Devolver Digital uh, decided that their E3 conference would announce very little and mostly just be like a weird prank on the viewer slash avant-garde art. <laughs> it was very, very weird. Very, very weird. I remember sitting through that and having no idea what I'd just watched. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you, you kind of get into those. Uh, you have to dig into really weird uh, creators to find people that you'll just believe anything out of. Yeah, yeah. But you can also find some really hilarious stories. I'm, yeah. I'm remembering the story of, I think it was the E3 where they announced that the DuckTales remaster was going to happen, but yeah. they didn't tell anybody it was going to happen, and so they had the trailer starting up on the screen with the super dramatic music and the quotes from various famous game developers about how this game influenced them so much or this or that. And one guy finally, and one last quote saying, who are you and why are you on my lawn? And um, then going into, okay, everybody let's sing along. Dun, 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 and it started doing a bouncing ball karaoke thing. Oh man. And apparently uh, I, I heard, I think I heard this from our staff members who were actually there that like half the audience was singing along. <laughs> I mean that I feel like it, it would be shocking if there was a like huge portion of the audience that was just confused. It's too powerful. Yeah. Oh my god, these backgrounds. What the hell? What Kira Kira Star Knight? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I can't keep looking at that either or bad things will happen um <laughs> but yes um yeah ricky was a very interesting individual yes yeah, yeah he seems like a very singular sort of individual oh he was so so <laughs> but, oh man uh Okay, we want to hit the last question? Sure. What do we got left? This is from Budai. Uh, at what point do fans asking for an easy mode have justification? Is it creators' wishes or the uh, people who are spending the money? Uh, yeah, this has been very much a uh, hot-button debate that I have... Oh, I don't heard, want to do this question. <laughs> okay, we will, we will fast-track this because I think we're all very... We've been watching this... We've been... Forced to be privy to this debate quite a bit. So. Well, I haven't, so I'm just going to lean in and say, hey, let's give people an easy version like in Darkest Dungeon. Mm. Where Radiant Mode is certainly supposed to be the easy mode. It just mm. happens to be the same level as most games' hard mode. <laughs> I mean, that would be Sekiro as well if you made an easy mode on it. Um, I yeah. mean, I, I'm cool with people getting easy modes, but when can I get my hard modes? I mean, what people want easy modes for are things that already have hard modes. See also every new game plus in a Souls game. Yeah, that's fine. And or or uh, Fire Emblem. 
Oh, Wheels, do you want me to point out what uh, one of your options to make the game harder for Sekiro is when you beat it? What's that? If you block and you don't perfectly time the block, you still take damage. Well, that's annoying. So yes, if you want hard mode, it's there. It's also, in fact, unlockable right near the beginning if you know where to look. Listen, uh, what I want, I want hard mode for games that are easy, not for games that are hard. <laughs> okay. Right, well, how about um, West of Loathing hmm. in the prologue section, which can be skipped um, if you want. But in the prologue section, if you do a certain series of tasks, you can unlock something called the hard hat. <laughs> You put you That's put the thing on. Loathing. You cannot take it off, and it suddenly limits certain options. Starts gnawing on your skull if you try to do an easy route, and it boosts and makes everything else in the game much angrier at you. <laughs> That's very very loathing, isn't it? Yes, it is. I gonna say. Uh, I mean, like if you want harder modes, I mean, Kingdom Hearts is doing that. They're currently working on a heart a critical mode for Kingdom Hearts three, so. There's a game that's too easy that's getting a hard mode. Mm. <laughs> Not that being too easy was really a problem, but I enjoy playing the game on harder modes. But I mean, like, I'm trying to think, what games would you want to have harder modes that Pokemon. don't have them, Wheels? Po oh, Pokemon. Yokai Watch. You keep naming games for seven-year-olds. I mean... Uh, <laughs> harsh. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's. Mostly... I love them, but they also are definitely primarily targeted at seven-year-olds. Sure, but I mean, I'm sure there's like probably some seven-mode seven-year-olds that would want it too, because a lot of times the battles in those games can be really and really it's mostly turn-based games that I'd want this for, because a lot of times there's the combat can be really deep and interesting if you actually have tough battles and for a lot of games it, they, there's not much of an opportunity to get that so I can't believe I have to start setting like and, naming random Pokemon challenge runs yeah. that Wheels has to play but yes I, I know there's that and I'm sure people are going to mention yes there's in a lot of games post game stuff but uh, I mean it would just be nice to have an option to have a harder initial run through the game rather than having to force my way through the normal easy playthrough and to get to the stuff I actually want to play. You just wish that Pokemon Black 2 had had its uh, hard mode unlocked from the beginning. Does that have a hard mode? Yeah. What? I think White 2 has an easy mode and Black 2 has a hard mode. Yeah. Crap, I think I have how, how way about, too. How about games that don't tell you that there's a hard mode or an easy mode, but give you a choice at the beginning that actually dictates it? That's stupid and bad. That sounds Magical evil. Vacation. Um, you, had, you could choose any of the main character's elements to use for your own, for your main character, but the element that you chose specifically influenced the difficulty level of the game. Which was fun. Yeah. So, choose oh. one of the basic elements if you want to survive the start on the first time through. Looking at what uh, challenge mode in Black 2 actually does, uh, enemies have higher levels, their AI is smarter, and all gym leaders and like special characters will have an extra Pokemon in their squads. Their Pokemon also have different movesets and hold items. That actually sounds like a good idea. 
Yeah, the, that's it's, in black too. It's only in black too. Yep. Of course. I, I used to have black too. I, I just don't remember having that. Of course, I have. It's, I believe it was unlockable. Although I believe there was a way to unlock it from the beginning if you uh, filled out something. I am kind of tempted to pick up another copy of Black Two and just do that sometime. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, apparently, one of the Pokemon uh, developers actually was asked what whether Challenge Mode would be returning. Because uh, yeah, that's part, something that Pokemon could use. Yeah, part of the okay, the reasoning that they gave. Uh, was that people don't spend as much time playing games, so you need to make a game easier for people to actually finish it. Uh, nah. That was the reasoning they gave. Whether that's real, whether that's true or not, is uh, up to anyone's judgment. But yeah, if you want, if you want a harder Pokemon, Black Two's Challenge Mode is what you're looking for. All right, I'm gonna have to I find mean, a copy and chuck away. I mean, my depending copy on the game, I could almost see that reasoning working. But we're talking about Pokemon here. Pokemon has some of the most obsessive player fans in the market. Oh, yeah, all those people are crazy. Uh, and they're wonderful, wonderful people, too, if, they're ha- if they happen to be listening in right now. <laughs> listen, listen, I say people are crazy constantly, up to and including my own obsessions. I'm just saying, they get real obsessed. Uh, so what are your obsessions, anyway? Uh, I think this last hundred episodes of the podcast have been dedicated to outlining what those are in excruciating detail. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. Me, too. But... Uh, Kawazu Games, Ace Attorney. Uh... And non-gaming ones. Oh, non-gaming I mean, non-gaming. I, I don't quite get what you mean in that case. Like, do you have any hobbies outside of video games? Oh, obviously. But yes. They've, they've kind of fallen by the wayside. I've got, I'm a terrible, terrible nerd, and that's all we're going to go into, because... This is not a me podcast, and I refuse. <laughs> oh, I was hoping I was hoping that you'd give me an excuse to um, just promote some of my own stuff. Oh well, go for it. Oh, I mean, I do well. If you need that, let me just say that <laughs> I do. I do play tabletop games every week, and I could use more literature about them. <laughs> well, well, thank you, thank you. I do try to provide. It's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Pr- um, did I mention I'm, I've been slowly. Republishing the Princesses of the Pizza Parlor series, and I've got up to episode four now. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that you were doing some like some editing to at least one of the. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's always going to be random typos I haven't found, or stuff that you know what I decided I really need to clarify this before somebody gets up, or before I actually put up the episode where I would have to retcon it. Um, <laughs> so things like that. Except for the episode where I actually explain retconning and to a character <laughs> and then do it. <laughs> That's fun. Let's see. Hooray for episode eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, those are, I presume, available on Amazon? Yep. Amazon, Kindle. Yep. Just, uh, I just keep putting them along. I, um, I've got I've got actual new covers up through episode six now, which is beyond what I had originally published before nice. I decided to refurbish everything. Nice. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, yep, I and, guess that. And, and I even actually started my own Twitter account finally. 
Welcome. For promotion. Did you did you yes. get my Twitter message? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, with the, the uh, evil laughing Togepi, yes. That's that's how whales uses Twitter. <laughs> yes, GIFs. GIFs. I speak fluent GIF. Uh, well, over here we speak GIF. Sorry. Wow. Oh, don't you dare. Oh, no, don't you no, dare. No, no, no. <laughs> you must. No, like, we already skipped the very tedious difficulty argument. We're not oh. having this one. There's no I argument. Out, it is GIF. It's GIF. It's been decided. I will close out, ah! episode, out this episode by asking Wheels one, one question that was aimed specifically at him from Budai. Sure. What is it? Will Wheels finally play Persona 5 on Switch? If it comes to Switch, yes. Yes, I will. Persona 5S's website has been updated to have a countdown. Um, cool. Well, if that happens, I'm still trying to, trying to determine when I will be getting a Switch next year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, I mean, I would be getting it sooner, but hey, among other things, budget and the fact that I've still got so many portable games on my backlog. There might be so, a there's there's rumors there might be a revised uh, form factor by then anyway so yeah worst comes to worst oh, no, I'm also just kind of waiting for the the price at the uh, discount stores to go down a bit because right now it's looking at about two hundred fifty to three hundred dollars for a new well, switch that's, yeah that's what I was getting at though is that the oh. uh, if the revised form factor comes out then used old form factor versions might actually get cheaper sure that's how I got a really cheap PlayStation three nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if that happens, uh, but yeah, uh, I just wanted to bring that up because it involves ribbing wheels. Um, <laughs> Wait, is this true? What you sent me, White Two does have the. You would have to get mode? the key from Black Two. Uh, Challenge mode is the hard uh, difficulty. The key to unlock it is unlocked after beating the Pokemon League in Black Two, and can then be transferred to a copy of Black Two or White Two. So, unless you know someone who has. Finish Black 2 that can transfer it to you. Damn. Alright, I'll be hounding eBay for a copy then. Hounding eBay specifically for a copy that's already been finished. Or just a copy of Black 2 itself. Yeah. I know, I'd be willing to just grab a used copy over here and see if it already has it unlocked. That'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, it's you restart the game in hard mode, right? Or no? Uh, you can. The thing is, I'm not sure how it works. I know that you get that challenge mode key, and that you can transfer it to a new game. I don't know what it does if you use it in the main game. So, let the buyer beware. Caveat emptor and all that. Um, maybe one of our listeners can clarify this. Uh, yeah. If you can, please shoot a message to Wheels. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Uh, I guess there's an question. actual easy mode on these games too. Hey. Yes, White Two has an easy mode that you unlock upon beating it. I uh, uh, I don't know who that's for uh, or how that would even why that would me even make sense. But that hurts my soul. <laughs> Listen, maybe you finish the game and you pass it down to a younger sibling who has difficulty with RPGs. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, it, It'd be so much easier just to let them have the option from the beginning. Yeah. I options don't. are nice. Options are fake, actually. Yeah. Um, what Variety is the spice of life. Uh, but yeah. Uh, questions in the usual places underneath the episode is where we most 
uh, where we are most guaranteed to see them, but we will also take them from Discord, or if you want to harass Wheels in public, you can always ask him on Twitter. Yes. And Buddha actually asked a question here. Oh, no, we just answered it, didn't we? Oh, yes. If you use a GIF on Twitter, I'm more likely to use your question. Wow. A GIF. Good. (laughs) I didn't... I didn't know. Well, like someone's gonna send you a GIF that's just of the state. Uh, it's just of someone shouting that it's pronounced GIF, and then you're just gonna cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, questions, usual places. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. I believe so. See you, space cowboys. Mm-hmm. All right. Where's the stop button? I can never find the Up stop button. Up next, we all watch Cowboy Bebop on Netflix and get confused oh, by the choice made by the live adaptation. Oh, boy. At least the cast looks decent. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll probably still not be a great idea, but, I mean, at least they didn't fumble immediately out of the gate. No, I just, I'm just wondering why. Why? Why? Uh, because someone's why? been kicking... Like, a lot of Netflix's business has been... Uh, reviving ideas that someone optioned like 20 years ago and then was willing to sell them. See also the Castlevania Netflix series, which was based off an old Warren Ellis script that never got produced. (laughs) Or the fact that they're doing a Dragon's Dogma series. Yeah, I don't know why that happened. They are? Yeah, Dragon's Dogma. Yes, they are. Oh god, you did it. Um, Oh god. Capcom decided they wanted to promote the series i don't know you just sent me a gif you monster you sent me that specific gif (laughs) (laughs) you'll never see it coming (laughs) but no question no Yeah, Netflix really loves just like, I I feel like eventually Netflix will be the one that tries to actually put a live action Ava in production after that was optioned like 20 years ago. Evangelion? Yeah. That will, that would take some very interesting, I'm not even going to talk about the CG, I'm just going to say rewrites. Oh, yeah. Really interesting writing. Yeah, yeah. But, to make I mean, it sensible like, and make it past the censorship in America. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things in there that would be like, oh, it's a little questionable to be having happen at all. Um, <laughs> but the then entire, you'd also have to fit it in like three hours, which would be also a pain. I mean, look at what happened with End of Evangelion, the movie, where they were basically trying to summarize the previous season or in the entire series, in fact, and just making no sense. Ava, Death, and Rebirth is a very confused creature, and End of Ava is a very angry creature. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, aside from the fact that it's some a series that grew out of the mid-90s Japan obsession with occultism... It was that mixed with, like, a bunch of fans that had watched a lot of, like, Getter Robo when they were growing up. Yeah. So, like, equal parts occultism, um, occultism, Gnosticism, and old... I mean, old super robot shows that should have just been abandoned. <laughs> Listen, someone had to bring up the torch of things like Brave Rydine. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah, maybe. Listen, I can I can go through 70s mecha shows for 
days, so I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Time Bokan. Ah, uh, Time Bokan's great. <laughs> Did you see the remake? Uh which one? Because there's been the a few. One I that think. Was the one that's been on TV for the past two years. Oh, I haven't seen the most recent one. No. Mm-hmm. I should look at that. Should I hit the stop button at some point? Yeah, probably. Okay. Maybe. Like, you're probably going to have to cut this out unless you want someone to have a terrible postscript. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Peace out, folks. Mm-hmm.